I just want to give, uh, if you saw some updates on Facebook, if you're not on Facebook, that's totally okay. But I want to give you some updates for what happened yesterday. Um, we got to go up and give some gift cards to people and clothes. And uh, probably one of the best stories is we uh, got up to the Walmart in Chico and we uh, met an old a girl that was in my youth group in two, uh, ni 1997 to 2000. Um, has a kid now married, and we were able to give her and her husband and her kid a gift card to help them. They had nothing. They uh, had no, ins no uh, renter's insurance, lost the house, lost all their clothes, everything. And uh, so we were able to give them um, a gift card, 100 bucks each, to get them started on clothes. Um, we also had my daughter, um, through social media, a friend in Roseville at the Marriott in Roseville. There's a bunch of people from Paradise in the Marriott in Roseville and even further, but um, they were, people were bringing stuff like crazy. My daughter ran over there, um, uh, had talked to Sarah before, got all the sizes for her kids and her, and, and we're, we're able to bring a whole, my whole Tahoe back full of clothes, toothbrushes, deodorant, diapers, uh, jackets. I mean, it was cold there. It was cold last night. It was 28 degrees at my house. But it was cold up there, and uh, there's people that didn't even have sweatshirts, you know. Um, so as, and then so we went over to Target because my um, brother and her sister, uh, or her, his wife, who lost their house, um, were at Target. And so, hey, we, we had some gifts for them. So we met them in Target, and, and they were getting clothes. My brother didn't have a sweatshirt or nothing, right? So he's like, oh, yeah, that would be great, you know. And we had all this clothes, which was phenomenal, uh, to give to them. And then as we're, we're talking... A guy and his wife are walking by, and he has a Rams hat on, right? And so we prayed for him. No, good. Um, <laughs> he has a Rams hat on, and uh, I actually like the Rams. I grew up in, in L.A., so I like the Rams. But anyway, so my brother likes the Rams, and so he says, oh, nice hat. You know, the guy's like, thanks. And they kind of joked, and he said, yeah, glad they're doing good, even though we lost our house, you know? And my brother said, I'm with you, you know? And I'm like, man, and I just felt prompted. So I followed him. I was like, hey, guys, did you guys lose your house? And they're like, yeah, and we started talking to them, and um, I said, hey, do you guys need any clothes? He's like, yeah. Like, he was so thankful, and we came over, and he had all the sizes for him, got him a sweatshirt and a, a shirt to, you know, kind of a dress shirt type thing, and got his wife some sweats and some, all this stuff, and it was just like, and they were just like, oh, my gosh, thank you. And I, and I said, hey, and I had a bunch of cards from Walmart, and I said, hey, I want you guys to have this. This is from our church and our church family. And we just want to say Jesus loves you, and here's some money. Go, go to Walmart and get some toothbrushes, you know, um, and deodorant and all that good stuff. And they were like, oh, my gosh, thank Like, where are you guys from? Like, who, you know, and it's just like, we're just some little church that, it's the Foursquare Church, really. I mean, the, uh, the, the Foursquare has a disaster relief program that is already um, in the process of giving us some money to help people, um, and they're on top of it. They've already uh, wired money to the the pastor of the Paradise Church, Foursquare Church, who lost his home and the church. Um, the church is flattened where I, I pastored there for five years. That's gone, totally flattened. Um, and so they're already ministering in that way. So it's exciting, um, really exciting to see the faces of people light up and, and, and we got to pray with them. It was just super cool, uh, super cool feeling to do that. Also, my, um, we were able to bless my... Um, my sister and her family, um, they lost their house, and uh, her daughter lost their house, 
Um, and she has three little kids, so we, were, we had diapers for them. We, uh, my daughter had picked up at this place three kids' backpacks uh, that were full of crowns and pencils and little toys and stuff, and it was like almost Christmas for them. So that was really cool because they went from, uh, from, you know, a great little life, you know. Their, uh, Cody, my nephew, built their house. He's a contractor and just, just finished it a couple years ago. Beautiful home um, and just lost it all. And uh, he was actually um, up there late on Thursday into the fire and had an experience kind of like your son, Paula, where they almost didn't make it out. And in fact, he was so, and this guy, so Cody is your man's man. So Cody is a hunter. Uh, he hunts all the time, guns, construction guy. I mean, he does those, what are those, um, not triathlons, but the harder ones where you're in the mud? The Spartan, stuff like that. Cody's that type of guy that can do all these crazy things. And, you know, and uh, he called his brother and, and was shaking, said, man, you take care of my, my wife and kids. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Like, it was that intense for him. But it was really cool to be able to bless them um, because the fire moved through so fast that um, they don't have anything. And so... Um, we thought we would bless the Hamiltons, so why don't you guys stand up? Yes, this is an order from your pastor. Come up here real quick. So um, we know the biggest way we can help people um, based off of, of my family and knowing people and talking to people up there is just their immediate needs. So, um, you know, they need, you know, I mean, he's wearing his work shirt for crying out loud. <laughs> but... <laughs> he, 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 I don't know if you know, but he drives a, a flammable gas truck. I mean, he drives a, what do you call it? Fuel truck. Fuel truck. Okay. So anyway, we got you. So here's uh, two uh, Walmart cards, $100 each. All right. Here's another 100 bucks in um, gas, because we know that uh, gas is a big issue. Um, and then food, $100 from Safeway. So a Safeway card. And then um, uh, 300 bucks from Target. So you guys can, so I just want you to know that they have uh, one more kid that's not here, Isaiah, who worked at an um, old folks home, right? And, and so he's in Rancho Cordova because they moved the whole old folks home down to Rancho in a hotel. So he's down there now with Allison, his girlfriend, whatever we're going to call her. Fiance-ish kind of person. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're ministering to all those people down there. So, But we're just, we love you guys. This is from our church family and the Foursquare Church family as well. Uh, just want to get you guys started on just a little stuff, you know. Um, I'm just glad. See, he doesn't even have shoes on, so. <laughs> oh, no, you took them off. Okay. So, um, but really, um, I tell you what, I, I'm just blown. I'm almost drawn to tears because you guys are at church. Right. 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 I, I <laughs> I know, and I've known Craig for a long time, but when a lot of people just want to run, you run to God, and I admire that about you, and I'm just, it's such a testimony that you guys are here today, it just encourages me, and calling Craig up, and I'm just like, oh my God, my brother and sister, and you, and all these people I know are in such devastation, and Craig's like, yeah, I'm blessed if it, my house is there, I'm blessed if it's not there. I'm blessed either way. And I thought, that's awesome. That is just awesome. What a, a godly example you give for us and how strong you are in that. And it just shows Christ in you is the hope of glory. So, and all you guys, but I really love you guys. So, be blessed. Thank you.
Can we pray for them? Awkward long hug. That's Craig for you. <laughs> hey, would you reach your hand uh, just as a sign of agreeance, really? And let's just pray for this family and, and the Zurus family, too. Did the Zuruses, do you know if their house is? We don't know, we don't know yet. Okay. Um, so let's pray for them, too. Father, we just lift up the Hamiltons, Lord, and the Zuruses that are a part of our church family here, Lord. We just ask you to continue, because you've already shown off, God, in your greatness, and you've given them joy in the midst of sorrow and hope in the midst of a crisis, Lord. So we thank you for what you've already done and are going to continue to do, because you are faithful. And so we thank you, God, that you're faithful and true. We thank you, Lord, that you have their future, and you're already in there tomorrow. Lord, you're already going on their behalf, Lord, to give them favor. And so, Lord, we just ask for favor for a house to stay in, God, and rent, God. We ask for favor on the insurance processes and all that to rebuild their house, God. And we just, Lord, praise you for that, God. And we just know that your spirit is going to go with them, Lord. Just like you marched through the wilderness with Israel, God, your presence, your mighty pillar of fire, the cloud by day is going to be with them, God, as they walk through this time, Lord. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would use this for the glory of your name namesake through them, God, to show the love of Jesus through them to the world around them, God. They are such a great blessing to this church. They're a great blessing to their community, God. And Lord, I just pray an anointing on them as they go through this time, God. Give them favor and love. And we love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for all that you've done in and through them. And uh, we thank you, God. And you're awesome. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Yes, we love you guys. We love you guys. I need that clear. Yeah, so there's a lot of information, um, and you guys can go online, and, and I mean, there's tons of places to give. Um, all of our stuff online on our website, we have a designation for Pyrodes Fire. If you want to give towards that, all that's going to go towards families that need it, and there's a lot of people that need it. Um, so, yeah, keep, keep alert on that, and I know there's giving hearts. The, actually, I talked to the pastor of the Chico Church yesterday, I texted him, and he said, no, don't bring any more stuff here. Like, they got so much stuff, all the churches are saying, stop, like, hold on, because there's just so many people responding, which is awesome. Uh, that we have to tell people to stop. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, just keep praying for people and their biggest needs for my family and people that I know in, uh, closely is just a place to stay. Uh, my, my sister was out looking for an apartment on to rent in Chico, and there was a huge line, and there's probably none left. So it's, it's going to be a challenge for people to actually have a place to stay. Um, so that's the big deal right now. A lot of their immediate needs, they got food trucks and all over the place, and you know they're getting the care which they need, and it's awesome. Um, but it's the next few weeks that's going to be tough as they discover where we're going to live for the next six months, and uh, the town being so decimated. I mean, me and Jen and my brother and sister, after we buried my mom last week, ate in the Black Bear Diner, and then that was totally gone. So it was like, whoa, I was just there last week, you know. Um, so, yeah, tough stuff, but. Um, we appreciate a lot of you have said stuff to us praying for my family, um, and I thank you for that so much, and a lot of us have friends and all that that are affected, so we just thank you so much for praying and lifting up, because I think 
you know, when Chris was leading worship, and I forget what song you were doing, Chris, but I just started thinking of all the, un oh no, it was when you told, you were uh, encouraging us to give thanks, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, praise me for, praise God for the, the things that you can't see. And I thought, you know how many things that went on in the last three days that none of us will ever know about, we'll never see, we'll never know, and yet God's done all this amazing feats, probably more amazing stuff that we didn't see than we'll ever see. And, and I said, God, yeah, and I know that's true, and you did so much stuff to help people get out that we need to thank you for the unseen stuff because, God, we recognize you right now for all the things you did that no one saw, and we say thank you for that. Amen? Yeah. Um, here. I don't know if all of you remember Kathy Tobias. Yes. Um, she just had a big health scare. She had a melanoma on her leg. 35 years old, and here she's got cancer. And so we've been praying that, yep. that God would intervene. Well, she had her surgery on Monday, and Wednesday she got the report back that they had to take a big excision you know, where they took the mole off right away and biopsy without a mole. But they took a big thing and had to close it up. But that was all clear. Yeah. They did lump node biopsy to make sure that it hasn't spread anywhere. And that was clear. As well. Yay. Yeah. Thank you, Paula. They were a big part of this church for a long time. Yeah. She led children's ministry for a long time. Awesome. And, you know, through this all, she's really been, you know, trusting the Lord and hearing his voice. And he's been giving her peace and assurance. Yeah, thank you, Dale. And that's another good point on prayer because Dale posted on the Rivers page. That's one of the main reasons for that page is to, if there is a prayer need in the body, just put it out there if you like, and then you got probably 100 or more people praying. So it's always a good avenue to get prayer because God does listen to those who love him, those who are washed in the blood and are righteous because of Christ. He has an open ear to. Amen? So it's uh, prayer works. Well, you know what's interesting is um, we're in an interesting part of Job right now, but we're in an exciting part of Job, uh, a part of Job that most people don't know about. We're in a part of Job because we're talking about what God's really like, and I think some of you through this study on Job have really learned a few things that maybe you didn't know before, or a different perspective that maybe you didn't think about um, about Job and his suffering and, and all that brought that on and um, but we're at a part where uh, we've talked about his three friends, right? The famous three friends of Job that gave him really good advice. <laughs> and he gave him, and they got the advice from really good sources. Remember, we talked about the one guy who had a dream and a vision, basically a, a satanic uh, being appeared to him at night and gave him advice. Not a kind of advice you want from a friend. Um, and we have this great introduction of Job in chapters 1 and 2 of this awful destruction. And a lot of us are obviously fresh in our minds of what destruction looked like. That, that Job felt like this, probably, and even a little worse, maybe, because he lost his children in, in, the, in the destruction. And his health was horrible, right? So he lost a lot. He lost his business, everything. And in the first two chapters, you see Job. And we're not sure who wrote Job. But he kind of starts off with Job was pretty awesome. Job was a righteous man, great man. And you're thinking, man, this perfect guy that doesn't make mistakes, living the Christian life, just gets smacked by God. And you're thinking, wait a minute, what's happening here? But we looked at Job and we found out that there's a few key words and, 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 and study that you can do to find out 
what really went down in those first two chapters, and we looked at God wasn't our problem, right? Hell was the problem, and sin's the problem, but God comes with an answer. And so then we got into the arguments between Job. We saw Job go from, hey, I'm not going to say anything against my maker, and saying, and he didn't sin in those first two chapters. He was like, well, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Okay, even though that's not all true what he said, it was true from his heart, and he wasn't sinning at that point. Then he started talking about his justifying himself and his righteousness, and then this is where Job, for oh, most of the whole book, from chapters 3 to chapters 32, where Elihu uh, speaks, he, he's complaining. And he's, if you read through there, and I challenge you to, he makes some serious accusations against God, some stuff that none of us should ever say towards God. And so he's making these accusations, and then we all of a sudden we get to this point where I want you to notice at the end of chapter 31 in Job, um, the Bible says, and this ended Job's speech or his talk or his, his writing. And I, I want you to notice that ended because when you're in suffering and you're going through hard times, I would say skip the... 25 chapters of yapping your mouth and <laughs> complaining and telling God what you think this is all going down, shut it. And then it's interesting because once Job ended his complaining and stopped talking, that's when the answer came. The answer came, started with Elihu. And if you look, and I want you to, we're going to look at his name today. Because in chapter, thir- or chapter 32, verse 1, read with me, it says, So these three men ceased to answer Job. Okay, this is great. Job start, stopped talking. His three friends were done. Hallelujah. We can learn that we have given two ears to listen and one mouth to speak. We should be listening a lot more, seeking out God more than we are trying to explain and position ourselves because Pride is an evil sin. It's a sneaky one, too. And in 32, he says, the three men cease. So we have Job stop talking, the three, the three friends that were giving horrible advice, right? Not only do we know that because we read through it, but we know that because God said that was horrible advice. <laughs> and you didn't know what you were talking. You were speaking with no knowledge. That was God saying, zip it. And so Job, friends stopped. Because he was righteous in his own eyes, that's what they were saying. And then uh, Elihu, the son of Bahel, the Buzzite of the family of Ram, burned with anger. And so in the Bible, you kind of get used to reading through those things, right? But I want to introduce to you the concept today that Elihu was a foreshadow of Christ. Elihu was a picture of Jesus. He was a forerunner before God would speak. Listen to his name. You know, the, the name Elihu means um, like God, God-like, similar to God. The Buzzite one means um, despised, rejected. Jesus was despised and rejected by men. Um, The family of Ram 
is the exalted one, the high and lifted one. Um, Barachel, you know, in this craziness, I forgot my notes, but that's a beautiful word too. Study that word and tell me what you find. But Jesus, or excuse me, Elihu was a perfect picture of who Christ was. Like we had many types of Christ in the Old Testament, I believe Elihu was one of those. And here's, here's why. First of all, in his name, it clearly says it. But then as you read through Job, Elihu's going to speak for about three or four chapters. And then when Elihu stops, guess who immediately starts talking? God. There is no break. There is no separation between Jesus and the Father. They are one. If you've, heard, if you've seen the Father, you've seen, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. They're one. And Elihu and the words of God were not separated by any other speaking in between. It was from, it flowed right out of Christ into God speaking. Think about that. At the end of the, chap, uh, end of the book, God rebukes, rebukes the three friends and Job. And God, the Father, says nothing about Elihu. Doesn't mention him. Because they're one. He's not going to say something about himself, right? So he gives that, that freedom at the end. And so we see Elihu, and I want to read through a couple things through Elihu's speech that gives us some subtle hints and types of Christ. Um, because, guys, in the midst of suffering, the most important thing you can do is run to Jesus. The most important thing you can do is humble yourself and run to Christ and say, Christ, I love you. I need you. You're my mediator. You're my, you're my way. You're my person between us and God that has made it right that we can go through. Jesus said, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you know, Job stopped talking. Elihu came up, and then the Father. What was between Job and the Father? Jesus Christ. The Christ one, the mediator. And it, it's clear in here that this was a type and a picture of that. So I want to read through some of those, but let me read the rest of this first part. His name, Elihu, the son of Barachel, the Buzzite, from the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. He burned with anger also at Job's three friends because they had not uh, found an answer, although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he, and when Elihu saw that there was no answer in their mouths of these three men, he burned with anger, and Elihu, the son of Barachel the Buzzite, answered and said these things. And then it goes on for three chapters. I want you to see how Elihu's anger burned. That is what Christ, remember when it says, the zeal of the Lord will consume me? They, that was talking about Jesus when he went in and he went through the whips and threw over tables because he was so passionate for God. Elihu was the same, passionate uh, for God, the zeal of God, the spirit of the living God was upon him in this time to speak to Job and to bring reconciliation to Job's issue. Do you understand that once he stopped talking and stopped listening to unwise counsel, he began to receive the counsel of God, and this was his point to turn around. This was his turning point when Jesus said, I need to step in. To this situation, Elihu did as a type of Christ. I need to step in and bring, as a mediator, bring you to the truth. 
The Holy Spirit says Christ will bring us truth. He is the truth spoken to us. When we go to God, we go to truth. When we go through Jesus Christ, we're going through truth. He leads us into what is true and right. And the same in Job. Job stopped talking, and then all of a sudden, here this type of Christ comes in, and now Job's whole story is going to change. Completely change, because the first step is zipping it and being open to the voice of God. And so Job 33, 4 says this, when Elihu is speaking, he said, the spirit of God has made me. We know what's interesting is the spirit of God made the man of Jesus, not the Christ. So the Christ is the ever-existent Trinity, third person of the Godhead, but Jesus was a man. Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time. That's the only way he could be our mediator. If he wasn't fully man, then he couldn't have, have... suffered through every temptation we did yet without sin, right? So as the Spirit of God created the Christ Jesus in Mary, the Spirit of the living God, the the Christ was in Mary, but Jesus the man was created. The Spirit of God in verse 4, he says, has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Answer me if you can. Set your words in order before me. Take your stand. Behold, I am towards God as you are. I too was pinched off from a piece of clay. Behold, no fear of me needs to terrify you. My pleasure will not be heavy on you. He came to lighten the burden of God. God had had to bring justice to sin, but Jesus was going to say, look, I'm going to step in and take the brunt of sin and the punishment and and all the great, the evil stuff that happens because of sin, death. And I'm going to take that on myself. Look down in verse 14, and we see God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. In a dream. So Elihu's talking as Christ. Hey, God's talking to you, Job. God's trying to reason with you. You know that when you're in troubles and you're in trials and you're going through stuff, the Spirit of God is always trying to reach out and and bring you back to him. Listen to what he says. For God speaks in one way, verse 14, and in two through a man though man does not perceive it, verse 15, in a dream or in a vision of the night when deep sleep falls on men while they slumber in their beds. Then he opens the ears of man, gives them warning, terrifies them with warnings, and that he may turn aside from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. If there be an angel, uh, for him an angel, a mediator, one of a thousand to declare to man what is right for him. Do you see Jesus in this? Are you, are you catching this? And he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from, what's, from him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Jesus was your ransom. And Elihu came in and said, man, if there was just one person speaking as the mediator, as Christ, if there could be a ransom, I could help you get out of this problem you're in. Then he said, look at this in verse 25. Let this flesh become fresh with youth. Do you know that Job, right, was suffering with boils? So this, this meant a lot to Job when Elihu started saying, let this flesh become fresh with youth. Let him return to the days of his youthful vigor. Then man prays to God and accepts him. He sees his face with a shout of joy and he restores to man his righteousness. He signs before men and says, I sinned and perverted what is right and it, has, uh, it was not repaid to me. He has redeemed my soul from going down to the pit, and all my life shall look upon the light. 
So we see this great picture of Christ through Elihu showing Job that, look, if, if I can renew you, if there's a mediator, if there's someone that could come in between us and help you, which Elihu was doing by the Spirit of the Lord, was helping Job see what he couldn't see. What could Job not see? Job didn't understand that he was in a state of pride. He had been arrogant and been saying things that he, he didn't know of. In fact, at the end of the book, God says, who is this that's speaking with no knowledge? He says that to Job. You know what's interesting is that we're going to see in a few minutes, Elihu said the same thing God did. If you hear me, if you, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen God. I don't speak unless I hear the Father speak, and I'm speaking to you. And a perfect example in here. Look down a couple more verses to verse 32. Um, if you have words, he says to Job, speak, I desire to justify you. If not, listen to me. Be silent, and I will teach you wisdom. Jesus was the great justifier. He came to bring us justice, to bring us into right relationship with Christ, to make us justified before him. Even though we were sinners, Christ died for us, and he paid the penalty so that we could stand before God, completely justified before his eyes, having no penalty for the sins we did. He took it all for you and me. Isn't it nice to know that you can go today through Jesus Christ, and stand before God and talk to him and pray and, and ask him things, knowing that you are righteous in his eyes. You're justified in his eyes. You don't have to come condemned and feeling bad for the things that happened in your life and your failings and your mishaps anymore. You can confess those sin, and he's faithful and righteous to forgive you of all your sin. What a great thing to know. Amen. What a great thing to have in your life. What a great thing to share with someone else that's burdened down by sin, that's pushed down by the world, that's pushed down and pinned down by the devil because of all their mistakes, and the enemy's trying to remind them and keep them in, 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 in the, uh, under his thumb by reminding them. He has no power. He's just reminding them of their sin, and they're accepting that as truth. But Jesus justifies. He breaks the chains of sin. Job 34, 5 says this. For Job has said, I am in the right. So imagine this. Jesus, the type of Jesus, the spirit of the living God is on Elihu, and he's speaking to Job. And for Job has said, and he's kind of telling, here, Job, here's what you did wrong. You know, here's what you're saying. I am in the right, and God has taken away my right. In spite of all my right, I am, a, I am counted a liar. My wound is incurable, doubt and unbelief, through, though I am without transgressions. He's a pretty arrogant guy. What man is like Job who drinks up scoffing like water, who travels in the company with evildoers and walks with wicked men? Now, this is the first time we're hearing this kind of concept or side of Job. But remember, when you read through Job, you've got to read through Job with his three friends knowing that what they're saying and the concepts that they're bringing to Job are rebuked by the Father. So when you read through that, you have to really study and read that these are incorrect ways to uh, respond to this suffering. But when you get to Elihu, you have to go, wait a minute, God doesn't say anything about this guy, and as we're seeing evidence that this was a type of Christ, we've got to read through Elihu and say, this is the spirit of the living God bringing holy good conviction, helping us to be in the right with God so that we, he can bring and live through us. So important as you're reading through those to read with that in mind. So he points out a few things about Job. 
travels with bad company, walks with evil men. For he has said, if profit, it profits a man nothing that he should take delight in God. Whoa. Job's got some serious internal heart issues going on, right? And most of us probably would if we lost everything. And, and, and another thing, um, remember we talked about the doorway of, of suffering and events like this? This is when the enemy can really get a hold and bring in a lie into your heart and mind to get you separated from the path that God has you on. So you've got, always got to be careful when trauma, um, even fires like this, this would be a very easy time to go, man, why didn't God do this or that? And you can slowly get off base and start going a different direction the way the Spirit of God wants you to go. But here we have Elihu saying and trying to bring Job back on track. Because see, Job was like, God, I'm not going to curse God. You know, his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job's like, no, I'm not going to. God, take, he's given me everything. I'm going to stand. I'm going to bless his name. You know, and, he's, and then, then he starts talking to his friends. And he gets from here over to here. He starts focusing inward. Right? Self. Pride is self. Remember when Satan fell, right? It says, I will be like the Most High. Satan said, I will be above him. I, 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 I. When you're focused too much on yourself, you invite the spirit of pride. When you start focusing on others, you bring in the spirit of humility is what you want. Sound good? Let's look down. Oh, verse 21, Job 34, 21 Elihu continues to say, for his eyes are on the ways of man, talking of God the Father. He sees all his steps, reminding Job that he was there through all his times of suffering, good and bad. In 22, it says, there is no gloom or deep darkness where evildoers may hide themselves. And I want you to notice that this is in direct opposition to what his friends counsel were. Remember back when his friends said, oh, God's just way out in the clouds, he doesn't even know what's going on here, right? Because we've talked about a concept of man today is that, oh, God just created us and he left us and he's off. He's so busy because he's God. He didn't have time for us. So he's way off. And that was the counsel of his friends. And Elihu says, no, 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 there is no gloom. There's no deep dark. There's no clouds. There's no distance that can keep evildoers so that they can hide themselves from what God's doing because he sees everything. He watches. God is ever present. Are you with me? He sees. He knows. He's not um, oblivious to what's going on with you. Then down in uh, Job 34, it gets a little fun here. So listen to what Elihu says to Job here. Uh, verse 31. He says, so, why don't you simply confess to God? So Jesus is getting right down to it. Job, there's a way out of your suffering. There's a way out. Why don't you just confess your sin to God? Say, he's given an example. Here's, here's what you do. Say, I sinned, but I'll sin no more. Because we don't really think of Job as sinning. Most theologians, if you look through commentaries, don't address this part. They, they don't even deal with the concept that Job did anything wrong. That's not even addressed. So I want you to notice what the type, Christ-type person Elihu is saying to Job about his situation. Why don't you simply confess to God, I sinned and I will sin no more. Teach me to see what I don't see. Whatever evil I've done, I'll do it no more. Just because you refuse to live on God's terms, do you think uh, he should start living on yours? You choose. I can't do it for you. Tell me what you decide. That's from the message version, and I love that concept of Jesus saying, look, don't approach and look at suffering and hard times 
like there's nothing of responsibility on your end. Just come before me, admit your sin, admit your misunderstanding, don't put it on God, don't start speaking foolish words to God about what you think your situation is because of what your experience was. Go off based off the word of God and say, God, I don't know what's going on, man. I'm confused. I, if I've done something wrong, be open to God's rebuke. And I think a lot of times the enemy, when we're going through hard times or suffering, he, clo- he tries to close our mind to our responsibility and our place in that and just gets us self-righteous and in pride and saying, but I've done so good and well, I'm better than them. I've, I haven't done that. You know, we start comparing. Remember, we talked about comparing the last couple weeks. Um, so it's a very dangerous place. But Jesus, through Elihu, says, look, simply confess to God. Look at verse 34 down a few. He says, men of understanding will say to me, and the wise who hear me will say, Job speaks without knowledge. His words are without insight. Would that Job were tired... Uh, tried to the end because he answers like wicked men for he adds rebellion to his sin he claps his hands among us he multiplies his words against God talking about the state in which he was going and then he goes continues in in chapter 35 in verse 2 do you think this to be just Elihu said do you say it is my right before God that you have asked what advantage have I how am I better off than if I had sinned or not sinned? So Job's saying, God, there's no difference. If I would sin, same result. If I don't sin and I'm righteous, same result. And that's a big concept, guys, today, that people get caught in thinking, what does it matter? I've tried to live for God. I've tried to be a Christian, but it just got worse. And, I, and it messed up. And then, shoot, I might as well just go ahead and sin all I want because does it even matter? Do you see where Job's mindset was? He was like, man, I tried to live my best, but you got to understand, guys, when you start swimming upstream, you're going to run into stuff. If you're going to go with the world, it's going to be different. And I tell you, the consequences that the world have are way worse than swimming upstream and getting your head kid a little few times. Because the thing about God is he's slow to anger, and he doesn't bring justice to that situation or our mistakes instantly. A lot of times, God doesn't do stuff right away. Sometimes I wish he would on me a little bit, you know. I don't want to get killed or nothing, but I wish God, if I do something, I'd go, oh, oh, yes, Lord, sorry. (laughs) Have you ever done something, and and then right away something happens, you're like, oh my gosh. I remember I was on the phone, and I was talking to a person, and I had the conversation, and during the conversation, my back just started killing me. And I was like, what did I, how did, I mean, I didn't even do anything, and my back started hurting out of the blue, and I was like, oh. and, I, and then I, I, I got off the phone, and I, I went on my a prayer walk, and I was, I was asking God, is this, what's going on? And he showed me my attitude with that person on the phone, and it was weird, because it was and then my back, and then I just prayed for my back, and the next day or so, it was better, but it was just, it was strange, like, I wish God would do that more, because it keeps me on track, are you with me? It's like, no, don't let me get away with anything, God, because I don't want to get used to any type of pattern, even if it's small, Lord. Work me, work me, Lord. Um, let's look at verse 16, uh, chapter 35, 16. Job opens his mouth, uh, the, the Christ type says. Uh, with empty talk, he multiplies words without knowledge. And you'll see in a couple chapters later, it's exactly what God says. Verse uh, Chapter 36, and we're almost done. We'll wrap it up with this, but I want you to hear this. 
Um, Elihu continued and said, Bear with me a little, and I will show you, for I have yet something to say on God's behalf. Was Jesus on God's behalf? Yeah. For uh, I will get my knowledge from afar, okay, meaning from God's knowledge is in him, and ascribe righteousness to my maker, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. So this is Elihu speaking as a foretype of Christ. Jesus was with us, among us, and was perfect in knowledge. He was perfection. He was bringing us the truth that would set us free. And when I think of it even more and more, I think, man, what a great God to have the Spirit of God fall upon Elihu and bring this great picture of redemption and hope and direction uh, for someone who was in great suffering. In verse 8, he continues and says, if, this, uh, if they are bound in chains and caught in the cords of affliction, Job was, then he declares them uh, to them their work and their transgressions that they are behaving arrogantly or pridefully. And I, I think this verse right here is key for Job. I think this is when it clicked because he's just about done speaking for Job because he said, if, if they're bound in chains and caught in cords of affliction, and then he declares to them their work. So Job was bound. He was in suffering. He was miserable. He had lost everything. He was frustrated. He didn't know what to do. He was trying to figure it out. He started uh, telling God that he, God was wrong, and he wanted a court date with God so they could battle out in court. And uh, that's where Job's heart was. And then, and then Elihu says, if he declares their works to him, so Elihu is declaring, hey, Job, this is what you're doing and their transgressions that they've been behaving arrogantly or prideful. And I believe that Job's primary fault or error was the spirit of pride. Verse 10, he opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return, return from iniquity. If they listen and serve him, they complete their days in prosperity, right, key, and their years in pleasantness. But if they do not listen, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. What happened to Job? He completed his days in prosperity and in pleasantness. He got devil back. He got everything. I mean, it was quite a blessing. And because I believe that Job heard that rebuke from Christ, said, you're arrogant, you're prideful, repent and turn, and if you do this, this will happen, and Job's heart started changing. You know, we see today, guys, where people get in life, they get so ingrained in the culture that they live in with the concepts and traditions that they've learned from man, and they start, they've learned from, from growing up from their parents um, and in churches, and sometimes they get so caught on what they've learned that they forget to stay close to the Word of God so that they can have truth introduced in their life. And I want, I want to just encourage you guys today as, as some of you go through suffering and, you know, suffering is going to be there. And, you know, you guys are going through it and handling it great. But you know what? Jesus promised it to us. And there's times that are coming that are going to frustrate you, relationships that are going to try and break down, jobs that are going to come in. Um, we have a, our church is going through a transition right now. And there's a lot of opportunity for us to get in our own thinking versus staying in God's thinking, to stay humble versus staying prideful. And I would encourage you, when you face, whether it be 
devastation like this or a physical sickness or ailment or whatever you're facing, that you remain open to God. Don't get closed-minded, but stay open to him and stay open to go, Jesus, I know that we all suffer, and uh, we've talked about at church. You know, you could be suffering for the gospel's sake. You could be suffering because you live in this world that's falling apart, or you can suffer because of what the seeds that you've sown and you're reaping what you've sowed. But God, help me, help me see my place in this. And I think if Job would have had a different mindset to say in the early beginnings and just sought out God, God, I just come before you. What have I done? I humble myself before you. I think I'm really a good guy, but maybe I'm not, Lord. Would you show me? Would you just, I'll just admit to you right now, I need you. I'm not perfect. And I think that's the mindset that we stay in in times of suffering and trials. And it'll, it'll, I believe it'll shorten up the time period that we stay in that. Because Jesus is going to teach us and train us and get us to where he wants us no matter how fast or slow we want to go. Are, are you with me? Because a lot of times we can determine how quickly we learn something. I can attest to you that my own life. I've done things where it's taken me years, and I finally, oh, my gosh, why didn't I do this two, three years ago? And then I've done stuff quickly and go, oh, wow, that was awesome. You know, both ways. So I encourage you guys today to take after what Jesus showed us as a picture of Christ in Job's life, to be open to God and be humble before him. And when you approach uh, disaster, when you approach trials, run to Jesus, get on your knees physically and spiritually and mentally, bow before him and say, Lord, you're the, my creator. What do you see in me? I want to make sure that all my end of the responsibilities are right with you. Is there anything in me you don't like right now? Is there anything in me that displeases you or is off base from your word? Help me get aligned to you, God, because I know you are good. And that is the key, guys, to know God is good and loves you and has an awesome plan for your life and that he, ha he wants you to be a blessing. He does, even if it's Old Testament truths like the head, not the tail, the, the, the borrower and not, or the lender and not the borrower. God's, those are still real concepts in God's heart that he desires his people to be a blessing to other people and to uh, experience a life more abundantly. Even Jesus said that himself. Or do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus wants you to have an abundant life? Yes. Amen? And so I encourage you to do that when you face that um, trials in your life, that you would run to him. Amen? Yes. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and grace. God, we thank you for the beautiful picture uh, that you showed us of Jesus in Elihu as he spoke to Job. We thank you, God, uh, of, for this, God, because we really, we really do need a good testimony of what to do when we're in bad times, Lord. And Lord, if we get anything from this today, Lord, we know that Jesus is the answer. We know that Jesus has the way. God, we know that if we face any temptation, Lord, if we come to you, you're going to provide a way out. You're going to help us get through it. Um, you're going to help change our character and align us with you, God. So we thank you for this beautiful picture in Job, Lord, and the hope of what happened to Job Lord, the blessings that you brought, Lord, that you did rescue him. You were his high tower. You did heal him, God. In his lifetime, you did this, God, and that brings faith to our hearts, God, that you want that for us because you said you are no respecter of persons. You don't favor one over the other. If you did it for Moses, if you did it for Job, you'll do it for us. So I thank you for that promise, God. Oh, you're so good, God. You're so awesome.
And Lord, we just uh, close today's service, Lord, just putting the call out for anyone that doesn't know, with every head bowed and eye closed, is there anyone here today that has not made Jesus their answer? Is there anyone here today that has not made Jesus the Lord of their life and that would like to? I want you to raise your hand. If that's you this morning and you've been running from God, you've been putting him to the side or on the back burner, and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, make him your answer, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. Is there anyone here today that would say, yeah, Pastor Doug, I recognize that I need Jesus. He's my answer right now. I'm going through something tough. Whether, you're, whether you've made him Lord or not, he is the answer. And so no matter what you're going through, God is your answer. And his answer came through, the, through his son, Jesus Christ. And once you make him Lord and seek his kingdom first, he will begin to align and put things in your life that he wants and make you into the person that he's created you to be, into the destiny that he's called them to. So Lord, we pray for those that have lifted their hands, God, and we ask that your anointing would be on them as they make Jesus their Lord, as they carry their cross, they take up their cross and carry it in your name. Lord, we love you and we pray all these things in your mighty son's name, Jesus. And everybody agreed and said amen? Amen. 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 God bless you guys. We love you. Um, Thank you for all that you guys are doing and prayer for all of our church family and uh, the family in paradise. They are very, very grateful. My family did want to tell you all that they, they love you and they're so thankful for your guys' generosity and, and prayers for them. So God bless you guys. Have a great week.